and welcome to the Heat Check Podcast, the Miami Herald's Miami Heat Podcast. I'm David Olson, and I'm joined, as always, on the other line by Anthony Chang, our Heat beat writer here at the Herald. Anthony, what's going on? Just preparing for free agency. The offseason never stops, it seems. I know. Like, like we, we, <laughs> we said last week, your offseason lasted uh, like 48 hours. Um, it was two days. It was a nice two days, yeah. You probably got a day or, or two in between the draft and free agency, yeah. right? Yeah, Although did, Dame, did. the Dame monitoring, even though there hasn't been necessarily a lot of news on the Dame front, it's been a constant monitoring of that situation. Um, and then you head out. So free agency starts Friday. Right. Yeah. And then when do you, and do you fly to Vegas on what day do they start in Vegas? They don't start in Vegas till Wednesday, right? They they start on well they start in Sacramento. They start in Sacramento on Monday. On Monday. They start in Vegas. Are you going to Sacramento or just Vegas? I'm not going to Sacramento, I'm just going to Vegas. So you're going to Vegas on Thursday. So you're going to miss Wembenyama's debut then. Is he going to play in Sacramento? He's I I think Reynolds Tim Reynolds uh friend of the show. Friend of the show, yeah, from the Associated Press. Tweeted that Wembenyama won't play in Sacramento, but he is going to play in Vegas. Oh, won't play in Sacramento. I was really looking forward to that Monday, day before July 4th, right? Well, I'm sure yeah. it'll be the late night, late night Spurs, Wembenyama. Oh, well. Uh, either way. Um, probably like one, one or two games in Vegas, and that's it. Like, I yeah. can't imagine he's going to play many, many games. Um, yeah, so we got a lot to get to uh, with, obviously, the draft. We talked um, the night before the draft last week. Um, the Dame situation remaining unresolved and, and other free agency stuff. Let's start with Dame. Obviously, that's all anyone wants to talk about. Um, the latest developments, um, to me, it's like all the reports about like the meeting with the team and uh, them coming out of there being like, we still want to, like, the goal is still to build a winner about, around Damian Lillard. Like, to me, that's all like, I don't care. Like, let, let's get to the first day of free agency. Like, yeah. And eventually it's going to be obvious that the Blazers can't build a immediate title contender around Damian Lillard with their current situation. And uh, then, then we can all move on to the next step of this is the way I feel. Yeah. I don't care what the Blazers think. I want to know what Dame, <laughs> know what Dame Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. I think their, their position is well documented at this point. Like they want to build around them. They don't want to trade them, but it's going to be and up I, to Dame. And I, be, and I believe that he feels yeah. the same way that he wants to wait. I mean, I think I compared it last week to like late dark, right? Like it was so much cool in Dallas the whole time. Yeah. And yeah, it would be so cool if, if the Blazers could win a championship with Damian Lillard as the centerpiece um in the next couple of years, but like it seems so far not away. gonna happen. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean they have good young talent, right? And maybe they could turn some of that good young talent into a win now piece, right? I guess that's what they're gonna try to do, whether it's like Anthony Simons or one of the other young guys, maybe they could trade them for I don't know. Like I know Draymond Green has been mentioned. I doubt that's going to happen in the sign and trade, but maybe they can dangle Simons out there and get somebody. But it just seems like even if they hypothetically do get Draymond Green or the whole Zion rumor that was out there, which I think has died down, like mm-hmm. is that team really where does that where does that team stack up in the West? I mean, seven. They're still probably playing. Yeah, team. Exactly. Like it's just they're just so far away from contending, and I think what we don't know is like. Does Dame want to be on a championship team? Does he just want a chance to compete and make the playoffs? Like, what is he hoping for right now? Um, there's been kind of conflicting reports where in right. I think he said, like, the missing thing in his career is a championship. But then I think Chris Haynes came out and said a few days ago that, like, Dame just wants to compete. Like, he just wants to be, be on a competitive team that has a chance to make the playoffs. So those are two very different things, yeah. right? Um, 
but ultimately this is this comes down to Dame. Like he has to decide what he wants to do. Because if he wants to be traded, I'm sure Portland will accommodate him and try to find a way, you know, to obviously they'll do the deal that's best for them, but they're also trying to make right, you know, do right by by Dame. Mm-hmm. Um, but he first has to to ask to be traded, and evidently he hasn't done that yet. Yeah, it's a clear, it's like a staring contest, right? No one wants yeah. to be the bad guy in this situation, and um, you know, I get it, but I think at this point, this thing has dragged on for so long that if Dame says I want to go, he's not going to be thought of as the bad guy. I mean, maybe, no. you know, if he went, like, I buy the, the component of this. I think it was a, I'm sure it was a Chris Haynes report because he's, uh, covers pretty much every, gets every, pretty much every Damian Lillard tidbit. Yeah. Uh, the idea that he doesn't want to go to a super team, like, I buy that. I, because I, I think he clearly is cognizant of, um, like narrative, right? Like that, that's why he has not asked, out of Portland to some degree, right? I'm, I'm sure part of it is he like, you know, he's lived in Portland his entire career. He's, you know, he's seems West like Coast a loyal guy, guy. right? Yeah. Loyal guy, West Coast guy, yes. probably not, you know, probably easy to get to Oakland from Portland, um, which is where he's from. Um, like, I, I'm sure there's a lot of that, but part of it is he doesn't want to be the bad guy here, clearly. And there is a way that he could have asked for a trade and become the bad guy. Like, if he went, like, let's say he, they did the Beal deal, right? And he goes to team up with, Kevin Durant and, and Devin Booker, like we're obviously at a different place than we are like when the LeBron big three thing happened, but there would be still a segment of NBA fans would be like, Oh, that's so lame. Like, damn, you got to go somewhere where you're at least like the second best guy to try right. to win this. Um, but at this point, if, and when he asks for a trade, he's going to wind up somewhere where he, I, I don't think anyone's going to like begrudge him. I mean, I'm, no. you know, there, there may be some, you know, if he comes to Miami, some people get like, you know, people get annoyed that the Heat seem to get every star they want, they're, essentially. They're, but they're like, not, they have, they technically only have one all-star and they made, and they were eight. Yeah, but so they're, like, they're, yeah, they're not, a, you wouldn't be a <laughs> yeah. super team coming to Miami. Like they're, that part of it that I buy, that I buy that he doesn't want to go be part of a super team. Um, That's just not going to happen right now. If he, especially with the new cap rules, like if he asks for, if and when he asks for a trade. He's not going to be the bad guy, I don't think. You know, I don't think anyone in Portland is going to be too upset with him. You know, he'll presume – I think – I mean, I don't know. I don't know a single Portland fan, but it seems like they're ready to <laughs> – seems like they're ready to start – you know, they got Scoot. They're fired up about Scoot. It seems like they're ready to, like, start uh, thinking about this new generation. And, you know, I think if, if Scoot is as good as they and a lot of people think they can – he can be, like – all you can ask for as an NBA fan is when you're like when one generation ends that the time that you're bad between generations doesn't last very long. And I think if I'm a Portland fan, I'm thinking we had this great run with Dame. We were we've been not great the last couple of years. Obviously, they're bad last year. I can't remember if they made the playoffs the year before. Um, you know, if you trade Dame, you're probably going to be pretty bad next year. But you have Scoot, who should be one of the best rookies in the league. You get another high pick out of it. Uh, you get a couple other young assets and whatever the trade is, and and you should be able to be good again, like next couple year. Years, yeah. yeah. Like, so it's an ideal situation for Portland, obviously, to move on. I think everyone's pointing this out. We're not breaking any ground here, but no. um, I'm just waiting for it to happen because I, I still think it's going to happen because I think it makes sense for everyone. It makes sense for Portland. It makes sense for Dame. Um, it makes sense for the league. Yeah, I. I... 100% agree with you. And I, I think 
you know, most guys who ask out, stars who ask out and want to be traded to a really good, like a better team, they they get they get criticized. But I think with Dame, it's just different. Like you 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 watch. I'm just going by like the national narrative. I think people are like, it makes sense for you to ask out. Like, why don't you ask out already? Like this is I know. <laughs> this is the time to do it. Like they they're rebuilding. They drafted a guy at your position at number three. Yeah, number yeah, number three. Um, that probably is gonna be like like you said, carrying the torch for the next era of Portland basketball probably should start right and kind of get playing that role already like Dame, this is the time for dame to kind of step aside and say, okay i haven't won a championship yet i want to go to a team that can contend for a title like if he doesn't leave now he's never leaving like this this is yeah. it like this is well, the natural it's time it's kind of sad it's kind of like i mean for him i'm i'm wondering if this is part of his thinking it's kind of sad to think that your most value now to this team is probably to be traded yeah, um, but poor but poorly at least what they're saying publicly doesn't see it that way. You know, there are some teams that are like, like especially in the NFL, where they're eager to move on from a player. Yeah. Because they're, in a, you know, going to go toward a rebuild. But like Portland wants to keep Dame and kind of bridge the two eras, which yeah, I, and, and I there, kind of understand. Is, but, yeah, there's some value in that if you yeah. can like mentor the young guys or whatever. But um, again, like if he can net you some first round picks and yeah. Tyler Hero or whatever, like. That jump starts your rebuild in a pretty good way. The only one, the only move that I think like what interested me when you talk about like how can they get another star and try to contend now would have been the 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 gigantic risk of trading for Zion. Um, yeah. Because when we've seen Zion play, he's been looked like a top 15, top 20 NBA player. Um, and you know that would be like the really ballsy move to make to trade Scoot for him. I mean, like you said, doesn't seem like it's gonna happen now. Um, but. That would have been the only one, and other than that, I, I just don't see how you could get to contention with with Dame right away. I mean, even like, does this team right now are they a playoff team? Probably not, right? Like, they're, I mean, no. the play, like, it, it's so easy to be in the play in mix now, but like, I don't know. I'm just waiting because I think, like I said, it makes sense for all sides. I think no one wants to be the bad guy here. Yeah. Um, they've got basically 48 hours to to figure it out. Um, because I know they say they're gonna wait and see in free agency, but um, well, it, it feels like by July 4th, we'll, we'll kind of know what direction this is going. There have been some, some, some like all time moment, NBA free agency moments on July 4th. Maybe, maybe we're heading to one of those this year. Yeah. I mean, the longer this goes, I think the less, te- the fewer teams are going to kind of aggressively pursue him because some teams are just going to go about their business at this point. You know, um, some teams don't have the luxury of waiting for a guy like Dame. I, I, the Heat do, I and mean, we can talk. I was about gonna that. say, so like, yeah, that that pivots us yeah. nicely. So what's what's the Heat's approach here, other than they can wait? You know, like we said, they have 48 hours and they can't do anything yeah. anyway. Um, so right. they're obviously waiting it out. Um, it'll be close 24 hours by the time most people are listening to this. Um, what's the Heat's approach from here? It's not like they have a bunch of cap space and they can just go yeah. out and be big shoppers in free agency. They don't even have a mid-level exception because they're gonna be most likely above the second apron. Um, so basically they can either bring back their own guys with bird rights, like mm-hmm. Max and Gabe, or uh, they could just go out there and, you know, leave, maybe not sign most of their guys. Like maybe just bring back Kevin Love, let's say, and, and then replace Gabe and Max and their other free agents with minimum contracts. All they have to offer outside free agents are minimum contracts. Yeah. So it's like, okay, you're waiting on Dame and maybe – you know, I mean, like guys, guys who sign minimums like aren't going to sign right away, right? They're going to shop the market and make sure they yeah. have to sign over a minimum. So that's going to take a few days. 
So it's, you know, the Heat are missing on a star or signing this like huge contributor on, with a mid-level exception that they're not going to use because they're waiting to see what Dame's going to do. Mm-hmm. The only downside to waiting for Dame, and it's not, and it, it to me, the just the chance of landing Dame, Dame Lillard is worth waiting. But the only right. the only downside is a you don't know what your team's going to look like entering free agency, right? Because you don't know who's going to be in the trade. Four or five guys, like four guys on this current roster, could be in Portland in a week, and you don't know if that's going to be. You know, if Caleb Martin's going to be in that deal, you right. don't know if like these rookies are going to be in it, like, you know, Hawkes or Jovic has been in a deal. Like that could that could change the way you approach for agency. Um, and two, you're, you know, all these teams are shedding salary, right? Like we saw that with um, John Collins. We saw that with Jordan Poole. The Heat could shed Kyle's salary, Kyle Lauer's salary in a trade, right? If the opportunity presents itself. But I'm, I'm assuming that the Heat will wait for a Damian Lillard deal um, because they might need Kyle's salary in that type of trade. Uh, to complete it. You, I mean, Portland might want Kyle's expiring deal. So you're not going to like act on trying to shed Kyle's salary before you know what the Dame deal is going to look like if you ask for a trade. Um, so there are a little bit of, you know, there is some downside to waiting, right? Obviously, but I think the just the chance of getting him outweighs all of that. Because it's good. The Heat are missing out on this great player. They're basically missing out on middle yeah. guys if they keep and, waiting. And and there's not another trade, you know, like the Beal no. already happened. There's not a yeah. Beal and Porzingis have moved. Like there's yeah. not I guess there's Paul George out there, and you never See, know what could come available. We don't even know what happened. But... Yeah, we don't. And if yeah. and if Paul George or Kawhi comes available, maybe the Heat get in on that. Like sure, yeah, they pivot yeah. at that point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and our you know our colleague Gary <laughs> Jackson reported yesterday that basically the Heat are going to be patient and waiting for Dame, which makes sense. It just makes sense. Like they're, again, they're not missing like. They could re-sign Gabe and still wait on Dame. Because they're going to need Gabe no matter what, right? And they might have a number in mind regardless of whether they get Dame or not. Like, even if Gabe, even if Damian Lillard is straight to the Heat, maybe Gabe doesn't start. But he's still going to be playing a big role because what your card's going to be like if you trade Tyler Hero and Kyle Lowry is on the roster because you have to right. spend his salary. Like, Gabe is going to be very important. And basically the other guards are going to be minimum contract guys. So Gabe's going to play a big role. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, like I, and and re-signing those bird right guys, bird yeah. rights guys, that doesn't affect anything really either, right? Because those are guys you can't really replace if you don't re-sign them. Right. If you if you don't re-sign them, you have to replace them with a minimum guy or through yeah. a trade. But the only way, <laughs> the only reason it affects um, the Heat is obviously, I mean, they could they have bird rights, so they can go over the cap up to the maximum to re-sign them, but the tax goes up a lot, right? So like just re-signing, right. let's say Gabe to a ten million dollar deal, might cost like thirty million dollars in taxes. Right. So that's the that's the kind of the the pain I guess in, incurred by the Heat if if they do sign Gabe Vincent is like okay ten million dollars is a reasonable deal but because of their salary cap situation and where they are against the tax it's it's it's, a, it's an expensive one right and especially if you don't end up getting a guy like Damian Lillard and then you're paying all this money for a team that I know yeah. is still probably a contender right it's is it possible not to say the Heat is a contender when they've been to the East Finals three times in right. four years yeah. and the Finals twice um, but it's diff like you're if you're if you're the owner, you know you'll pay whatever it takes. Basically, once you get Damian Lillard, because then you feel like you're probably in the top 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 tier of yeah the top of five matters. teams in the NBA. Yeah, 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 I, yeah. I, I I agree. It's just they're in an interesting spot because I think 
I mean, the CBA is very complicated. I don't expect fans to understand it because I barely understand it. Uh-huh. And, and, you know, I but, saw they still haven't even sent the CBA to teams yet. Like, Yeah, that's everything. Yeah. Not only is it hard to understand, but there are changes that we are trying to have to learn on the fly that, again, haven't even been like – there hasn't even been a document provided as like what those changes are. We're just kind of like all going off Based of other off people reports. saying – Yeah, or for reports. Um, but this is the reality of the Heat situation. Like – they don't have if they don't get Damian Lillard, they don't really have another option to really upgrade the roster unless another guy becomes available in a trade. Like they they just don't. Like I know fans are like, well, they can sign this free agent, they can sign Brooke Lopez to a deal or Kyrie Irving. Like they can't do that unless Brooke Lopez signs to the minimum and for the or a signing trade. Or even they can't even do a signing trade because they'll be hard capped at the first oh, April, right. which they're already above. They can't do a signing trade, they have no exception. They have no cap space. It's all minimum deals. So if Damian, if they, if, again, and this is this is not, you know, if the Heat miss on Damian Lillard, Damian Lillard doesn't ask for a trade. That's not really the Heat's fault, right? They, I mean, Damian Lillard's gonna make the decision based on what he wants. But if he decides he wants to stay in Portland, the Heat don't really, they're not gonna be able to really upgrade this roster. They're just not. They might be able to bring back one of Gabriel Max, maybe bring back Kevin Love, right? I think that's kind of what's expected at this point. That like Kevin Love probably will be back. Uh-huh. Um, you still have Caleb Martin and Tyler Hero on the roster at that point. But then you're just filling out the roster with minimum contracts. So um and and you know, you might lose like a Max Struess in the process because you just might not be able to afford all those all to bring everybody back. Yeah. So it, it might not be a bad the roster might be perceived as worse than last year if they can't get Damian Lillard, just because the heat's hands are pretty tied entering free agency. Yeah. Um Gabe or sorry, uh yeah, Gabe and Max are the Probably the two biggest free agents they have uh, coming yeah. up here. Um, do you have a any predictions on what happens with those guys? Is there there someone the Heat really values? Those guys yeah. are obviously going to try to get paid. Neither of them have really sure. gotten paid at any point in their career. So you're not going to be able to just bring them back on. Cheap what, teams, yeah. They make like three million dollars last year, <laughs> <No>. like total. <laughs> it's yeah. like nothing. No. So. Yeah, I, I mean those guys just earned this payday, right? And this is their first big payday of their NBA careers. I think they're both projected to get like in that mid-level, full mid-level range, like around 12 million a year. Yeah, right. It's a, they're they're definitely looking for five figures, right? Like. Yeah. Oh yeah. I, I would be surprised if either of them like signed for anything less than 10 million a year. Yeah. At this point, and I think both of them probably will take will get mid-level, like full mid-level offers of like 12 point whatever, 12.3 or whatever it is. Um, and I, I mean, I, if they do, if they do get that as we expect. I'd be shocked if he can sign both of them, right? Just because just signing both of those guys to that number would be like over $50 million. Uh-huh. Um, and as much as he valued them and they were two starters during the finals run last year, that's just a lot of money for Gabe Vincent. Well, if you get Dame, you, you don't need Gabe. Like, well, you, I mean, you, you help, do, like, you need to back a point guard, right? That's true, and, I guess. And, if, and if, Kyle, if Kyle, if they shed Kyle's salary, which I think they're going to try to do, Either, whether Dame comes or not, right? Um, you you need Gabe because again you're you're going to be replacing yeah, with, 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 with a minimum guy. I mean you can get Corey Joseph or like I guess Kendrick Nunn or Goran Dragic, but I mean Gabe showed his value. Yeah, I mean Nunn could be back, but but Gabe showed his value, right? He's a good yeah. back. He's a good NBA backup point guard. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I expect the Heat to prioritize Gabe. I think Max is gonna. I think Max. I think the feeling I get is that both sides kind of know it's probably over. Uh-huh. 
Like Max won't be back in the heat. Don't expect Max. Yeah, those guys are more easily replaceable. Um, well, one they kind of have, you know, they have Duncan Robinson, right? Who like it's hard to bank on Duncan Robinson being yeah a full time player, just based on what we've seen over the last couple of years. But he was really good in the playoffs. He obviously plays the same position, gives you similar stuff. Not as good a defender as Max, but um, just in terms of off the ball play. Um, he gives you what Max does. And, I mean, again, they're like three and D guys are, are still kind of a – I mean, so are kind of backup point guards. Like you can just kind of like dig those guys seemingly out of anywhere. But I think they, the Heat – from the Heat, I, I feel like I can find a, um, <clears throat> a – maybe not someone as good as Max right away, but but someone who can develop into that same kind of guy. And obviously even uh, Jaime Jaquez plays – a similar sort of yeah. role. That's, not a, shoot, that's players, a shooter. Right, yeah. right. You can play that position though. And and I and I I mean Zach Lowe said on his podcast and I've heard the same. Um there's a lot of Max Drew's buzz out there. Like I think there are teams ready to offer him the full mid level and and as Zach Lowe said, like those teams are even scared that teams with cap space are gonna outbid them. Like you might get more than the twelve million. Um and if that's the case again I the Heat just can't they're not gonna pay that. Like they just are not in position to pay that. Even though they have his bird right just it's a lot of money. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're so up against the tax and like so over the tax line that it'd be so expensive. So good for Max Struess, right? Like again, he great story, one of those like undrafted success stories of, that the Heat kind of keep producing. Um, and he's earned this this payday um, mm-hmm. through his play and, and really development over the last two three years. Uh, speaking of Jaime Hawkins, let's wrap up with the draft. Um, a interesting move from the Heat, I think. Obviously, the reason it's interesting to me is because, uh, well, one, we thought maybe their that pick would be part of a of a Damian Lillard trade, and maybe you try to draft a higher upside younger guy to go in a in a deal like that. But the Heat obviously just um, went with the guy, basically banking on like what we need if, if a day trade doesn't happen and they go with Jaime Jaquez and um, fascinating to me that the number one, it's like the heat proved it here. that The number one thing they value for good and ill is um, personality culture fit. Like, you know, they're Jaime Jaquez is an older guy, um, a senior at UCLA last year um, or four year player at UCLA. Um, not a great three point shooter, um, which I think, at least statistically uh, in college is not a great three point shooter, which um, lowers the ceiling of a, of a forward. Um, but I mean, by all accounts, he fits every personality quirk the heat likes. And um, I don't know. It's kind of hard to blame them for being, that being the number one thing they value, considering it feels like they just willed themselves to uh, the finals um, with guys who fit that same mold. Um but it's interesting. I can't ever remember a team just being like, I'm, we're just going to draft guys based on their personality. I don't really care about their basketball skill. And now we should say, Jaime Hawkins is really good. He was a first-team yeah. player last year. Like, literally one of the best players in college basketball, um, you know, if, if he was 19 years old. And he was really good as a younger guy, too. Um, if he was 19 years old, like, people, I think, would be psyched about this pick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, he's – Last year that he took one of the younger guys, the youngest guys in the draft, right, and and, and Jovic, and this year they took a four-year college player who's 22. 
Um, so I think I think part of it is a like they're in win now mode, right? And they need yes, to die. 100%. And especially with like their limited resources in free agency and, and kind of understanding that they might lose Truce and Vincent, they're gonna need to fill out that rotation. They're gonna need guys who are ready to play like now. Um, and I think Jaime kind of fits that mold, right? As the older player, experienced, mm-hmm. seems to be like just mature um, and has a good head on his shoulders. Um, but I think this was funny. Not funny, but just like kind of shows you kind of what the Heat were seeing when they were picking uh, Jaime Hakez. I asked Jaime during his intro, introductory press conference, like, you know, he does a lot well, right? Like that's kind of his game. He's just like yeah. all around. There's nothing he does like exceptional, but he just does a lot well. So I asked him like, I know you have a well-rounded game, but what's the one thing you would point to, like one skill you have that stands out above the rest? And his answer said was, I would just say I would just say I'm a guy who makes an impact on the game. I feel like my biggest quality is just making an impact with winning plays. That's getting a steal, getting a deflection, getting a rebound, just little things that really impact the game in a major way. It's something I really try to do in my game. That is like Eric Spolster's dream. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, yes, like. He fits the quote-unquote culture, culture, right? Um, a, definitely a culture pick. Um, can play both forward spots. Mm-hmm. Is known as just a tough guy. I mean, defense is a question, right? Like his effort isn't a question, but like just 8.2 rebounds picks. per game, which is like a good a rebounder in college, right? Those good are rebounder. forty-minute yeah. games. Good rebounder. Favorite player right now in the league is Jimmy <laughs> Butler. He definitely, he definitely s- plays Jimmy Butler. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. You kind of see that in his offensive game. Like, I know he won't have that role in college, I mean, in the NBA, but in college when he had the ball in his hands a lot, like working out of the mid post a lot, just his pump fakes, his footwork, um, his spin, you know, kind of his half spin post move that always worked, seemed to work. Um, just over, you know, getting guys on a switch and just kind of over bullying them, and, you know, around the basket. He has some of that Jimmy Butler game in him. Um, which I know is like a lot of fans are asking like, oh, well, how is he going to play next to Jimmy and Bam when he operates like kind of in the same area as Jimmy and Bam? Well, I think the heater, I think that he hope to develop into a three, into a three point shooter. Right? Yeah. And I know he did. He it wasn't was a great shooter. He mentioned it in a lot of those post draft uh, press conferences and stuff that yeah. he apparently shot very well in the heat's workout. And yes. he mentioned that. Um, so well, look, he shot, he shot 39.4% as a sophomore. Yeah. He was a, like he was a pretty good three point shooter. And, I mean, last year like 31.7 percent, and then 27.6 percent as a junior. It seems like, and I asked him about it, and I actually also spoke to Mick, Mick Cronin uh, a couple of days ago about Jaime, and he was saying that just the way they were using him as a high usage guy with the ball in his hands, like that probably helped, you know, kind of reduce those three point numbers and efficiency numbers because he wasn't being used as a spot up guy, and it's, as a sophomore, he was more of a spot up guy. He shot 39 percent. Yeah, I think when the, he was really a role was, player. The last yeah. two years, he was like their best player, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, he was doing everything for them. So I, I think, I think with the Heat, the Heat would probably use him a lot more off the ball, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the hope is he can get back to you know shooting forty percent, but just being a guy who can knock down an open three. And the Heat have a history of developing those kind of. Look, Caleb Martin, right? He wasn't known as a three point shooter before he got to Miami, and he shot like sixty percent on threes in the Eastern Conference. Yeah. So it's possible. So I. He, yeah, shot, I, I 70, think, shot 77% from the free throw line this year, which isn't, like, incredible, but, like, a guy like that should be probably a better shooter than what he basically was a 30, 31.7 last year, 27.6 the year before. Um, but, yeah, like, he's obviously got it in him when he plays off the ball. That's going to be a huge room, huge room because, because if he shoots under 30% the Heat or in the NBA, he's not going to get much playing time. He's just not. Yeah. You yep. can't have a guy like that out there playing with Gabe, uh, Gabe Bam and Jimmy. 
and they can't make threes. So he's going to have to be at least like around 35%, I think, to get significant minutes and to have a consistent role as a rookie. Um, and Mick Cronin, UCLA's coach, said that Jamie was – Jamie, Jaime was uh, – I call him Jamie during the oh, – so, uh, <laughs> not, not to go on a tangent, but during the our first interview with him on the phone after on draft night, the one Hispanic reporter in the room called him Jamie. <laughs> Um, that was that was an embarrassing moment for me. I'm just not. I still get used to it. Um, but anyway, he said that Jaime was practicing, basically emphasizing three point development during the pre draft mm-hmm. process, kind of shoot, working on his shot all all spring long. Um, and he just has confidence that he could be at least a respectable three point shooter. And Mick Cronin said, like, if he can develop a quality three point shot, he's gonna have a really really good career. He compared him to PJ Tucker. That's not what I would have thought. Like that's not the comparison I would make. So it reminds me a little bit. Like I wouldn't be surprised if he's like one of the most valuable rookies in the league next year. Uh, Not necessarily like best rookies in the league, but like the way that like Walker Kessler just came in and was like, oh, that guy's like a big role. Yeah. Like advanced numbers kind of say he's pretty good. I know you know defense is obviously factored in a lot to that, and his defense will probably be a question um, early on, but. Um, yeah, I just think he's like he's going to play. He's going to be on a good team. They're going to be able to slot him in. They're going to be able to like he's not going to have to like control run the offense like he has to. But he's going to, you know, he's another guy. Yeah, average like two and a half assists a game, which is not like a ton. But again, college games are shorter. Um, they had like one of the better pass first point guards in the country on that roster, too. So it's not like he was like the number one assist guy on the team. I know he probably had his ball in his hands a, a lot. And that's part of it. But like, there's, there's like a lot of like, again, it's not like exciting, but he's good at everything pretty much, except like we need to see that three point shot, get back to where it was when he was a sophomore. Um, And if that happens, there's really like, he has no huge flaws in his game because I know like defense was a big adjustment for any rookie, but it's not like he was a terrible defender in college. Like there's a reason Mick Cronin compared to PJ Tucker. Like, yeah, he said, yeah, he's big. Um, he's mobile, right? He's not just like a stationary forward. He's a guy who, like, is a pretty good athlete, and you know, he, the, like, again, not a lot of weaknesses in this game. His, his ceiling's not probably not super high, but when you're the Heat um, and you're trying to win right now, you you can only take so many projects. And Nikola Jovic was kind of a project, like they did that last year. It's if you're going to alternate every other year with like. Uh, guy who can step in and be an immediate role player in a project that like that's not a bad not a terrible idea yeah and and i think the positive with his defense is he was well well drilled right well schooled with with mick Cronin, who's known for his defense yeah, on the college great level defensive coach yep yeah and it's not like he was just playing in zone uh and that's not a shot at syracuse um it's not like he was just playing zone like they switch a lot at ucla as well so you have uh-huh. to play a lot of man-to-man defense kind of play on island a lot of times which again is is good like he has experience doing that playing different defensive schemes for a good defensive coach. So, yeah, like, it's for any rookie, it's tough to guard in the NBA. You're guarding better players. His lateral quickness, I know, has been in question. Um, but he's not, like, he's athletic. He has a 40-inch yeah. vert. He has the third-highest vert in the combine, which is just insane. Like, he has a 40-inch vert. Um, I was actually watching, like, a little highlight, uh, series of highlights from a high school dunk contest down in California with um, – Kenyon Martin's son, KJ Martin, and KJ one Martin. other guy. Who was who in the dunk contest like last year. Yeah, and he went to another guy who went to UCLA who was an awesome dunker as well. I forget his name. I don't think he is in the NBA, but 
this really, really good athlete. And Jaime won that contest. Yeah. Um, so, like, he's not, like, this, like, unathletic guy who's going to be this huge liability on defensive end. Like, he he has the tool, the physical tools, the well, size. Well, he's strong, right? He's old. He's, he's strong. He's old. old. He's, yeah. like, some, how many 19-year-olds come in the league and they're just too skinny? Like, we're yeah. going to see that with a lot of those guys who got picked in the top uh, five to ten. Like, you know, the – the Thompson twins, like what are they going to look like? Like Jet right. Howard is, is a twig. Like those guys are higher ceiling. Yeah. But like, and they're on bad teams mostly. So they can play through those defense. Like the heat, we're not going to get a guy. If he, like, if he had a huge flaw in his game, the heat, we're not going to be able to play a rookie this year. Probably it's presuming, assuming they're um, a contender again, like they were not going to be able to take a guy who was high upside and plug him in because those high upside guys, uh, especially at that point in the draft, have huge holes in their game that that's why they have high upside because they're trying to develop those holes out of their game and play to their strengths. And Jaquez, as long as he can shoot the three and not get totally toast on defense, which I don't think he's going to be like unplayable on defense, um, then he's can help the heat. Do you think that he should have taken Ken Whitmore when you fell to them? Were you like, so I was, I mean, I'm in on Cam. I was in on Cam Whitmore, DMV guy. Like uh, Sam Vecini from the Athletic had him as ahead of Brandon Miller on his prospect rankings. Yeah, you know, I'll admit Villanova was terrible this year. I didn't really watch them. So like, I, but once he started falling, like not just out of the top five, not just out of the top ten, but like to out of the lottery. Like I was like, there must be something I don't know. Yeah. Right. Like if everyone's passing on him and then the Rockets, who are probably the worst run uh, or <laughs> franchise in the league, uh, end up being the one who take him. Right. Was it, is that where he wound up? Yeah. You want to use yeah. Him. Like I, I feel good about the heat not taking him. If Houston wanted yeah. a guy and no, no offense to a man Thompson, <laughs> who I think is just like the clear number four guy there. Like that's who you're right. going to take. Um, like I, I think it, it worked out, worked out fine for the heat. I'm not, I'm not upset that they didn't get Cam Whitmore. Yeah, I mean that's again that's more a lot more upside probably, but just more of a project, which I, I don't think the Heat were. That's not what they wanted at this point, right? And yeah. With their situation entering this year, any any other? I don't know if you had a chance to look at the undrafted list of guys the Heat signed, but were there any that stood out? Um, um no names that like I, really popped to me. Did anyone anyone of your um any anyone uh anyone that excites you? I mean the Heat obviously like. Yeah, this is their thing. Like one of these guys is probably going to wind up being a, a useful piece for this team in the next couple of years. One of these guys that make fifty million dollars, I can tell you. <laughs> yeah. Um, one guy who said I was was Justin Powell, a Washington State guard. Yep. Um, really good three point shooter. Shot forty one point nine percent on threes on high volume last year. Six foot six, so has size. Um, he shot only thirty seven percent on twos. But the heat of a history with these type of guys, right? Where like. Maybe they're just three-point specialists, but they can really, like, develop that skill into uh-huh. being an elite shooter and maybe, you know, over the next couple of years, like, make them a more well-rounded player. Um, so I think he's one guy that stands out, especially, like, if they lose a guy like Max. I'm not saying that Justin Powell is going to be in the rotation immediately, but they need to keep kind of adding three-point shooters to the developmental system, right? So I think Justin Powell is a guy who kind of sticks out because he was such a prolific three-point shooter in college. Um, it's weird. He had a weird, like, he spent he had freshman year at, Auburn, sophomore year at Tennessee, and then last year he was at Washington State. Three different yeah. schools in three different years. I think, was he, I guess he was on that, um, or no, he must not have been on that, uh, 
Auburn team that went to the Final Four. But those are some good Auburn teams that he was part of. Yeah, uh, yeah. So. Yeah, no, he, he's one of six on them. The other one, limited offensively. But when I see, like, Defensive Player of the Year, Big Ten Co-Defensive Player of the Year, that kind of always stands out to me just because of what the Heat is about. Yeah. Chase, uh, Northwestern guard Chase, I don't know how to pronounce his last name, Adige, I think? A-U-D-I-G-E? Yeah, Adige, yeah, um, something like that. Yeah, yeah, he's... Uh, Big Ten co-defensive player of the year. Kind of like a – I mean, I think Marcus Garrett was a – was like won the national defense player of the year, so he won an even bigger award. But just kind of uh-huh. in that mold where like if he can develop some type of offensive game, he, there might be a spot for the NBA because he is such a good uh, perimeter defender. Yeah. I had never heard of the Marist guy before, but just like reading a little bit about him is interesting. What, like almost a 40% three-point shooter as a yeah. center? So um, older guy too, like we'll, we'll say if you're – um, you know, summer league. They'll, they'll have a nice little, an interesting little group at summer league, I think. Um, and gonna be an old group. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they're really good in summer league. It's gonna be an old group at summer league. Yeah, they should be actually. If like their guys play, I assume Jovic, Jovic is playing, right? Jovic is playing. Yeah. Orlando Robinson, Jamal Kane, um, Jamari Bouye is back on the team, and obviously Hawkins is gonna play. Like, they have some good. Like, that's a good starting lineup right there, right? Yeah. Um, like. Orlando Robinson and Jamal King were two of the best G- players in the G League last season. And Jamari Bouya was really good in the G League as well. And you have Bjovic and you have Hakas and some of these undrafted guys. Like, yeah, they should have a pretty pretty fun team to watch. And, like, there's some storylines there that I think, like, how will Bjovic do in a second summer league? We really didn't see much of him late in the year after adding all that weight because of the back injury. Um, how, what is Hakas going to look like? Yeah, it'll be interesting. I'll be interested because Hakez and, and Jovic are two guys who would really like to have the ball in their hands a lot, probably. Yeah. Oh, maybe not with Hakez, like you said, if they're trying to develop him just into a three-point shooter. Maybe it's a good situation where Jovic can kind of run the show and, and Hakez, even though he's, you know, probably a better player than Jovic right now, I would I would guess, um, kind of plays that secondary role like he's, he's going to play, probably more likely for the Heat this year. You think uh, – you think – Hakez is more likely to be in the Heat rotation next season than Jovic. Yeah, I do. I, I just think I think um, again a lot of the stuff we said. He's he's. I, I mean, I think right now I would guess he's probably a better basketball player than Nikola Jovic, um, and just feels like he fits a little bit more, right? Like Jovic, I still feel like his highest ceiling is um, like to have the ball in his hands a lot. Yeah. Right. And and the Heat, they just don't have, especially if they get Damian Lillard, they, they just don't have minutes to bring a guy like that. Yeah, no, for sure. And I mean, Jovic is twenty. He's two years younger than 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 Hawkins. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, like basketball, like, like that's, yeah. that makes a difference, you know. Yep. All right. Um, let's wrap things up there. Uh, we'll be back next week, I guess. Well, we'll see when, if you'll be in Vegas by then, but we'll we'll figure out sometime. No, you won't be because we'll record. No, we can do it before the. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll wrap up the first couple of days of free agency. Um, see. Summer you. league. Yeah, summer league. summer league. I guess yeah, yeah there'll we'll, we'll yeah. be we'll be monitoring Heat summer league. Um, out in Sacramento, um, and hopefully we'll hopefully yeah. we'll have something new on the Damian Lillard front to talk about. Whether it's hopefully there's re- resolution one way or the other, whether we know he's staying put or even if he hasn't been traded by then. I mean, I guess if he gets traded at some point, we might have to do an emergency one of these, but um, we'll see. Uh, hopefully we get some resolution there. Um, until then, you can follow Anthony on Twitter at Anthony underscore Chang. He is all over the Damian Lillard story, as well as, um, like we said, he'll be covering the first couple of games of Heat Summer League 
from the comfy confines of Miami-Dade County. Um, follow me on Twitter, at DBWilson2. I'm on vacation for the most part this week, so not not a whole lot for me. I'm, I'm trying to stay off Twitter except to follow except to follow NBA news, basically, because um, I the first day of free agency, like I said, there have been some great July 4th NBA moments. I think Kevin Durant signed with the Warriors on July 4th. Gordon um, Hayward with Boston. I remember that. that a July, yeah, yeah, that was July 4th, Gordon Hayward. Um, I'm pretty sure the DeAndre Jordan saga began on July 4th. Right. The uh, I think he, like, signed with the, like, reportedly signed with the Mavericks that day, and then it kicked off that, uh, like, week of barricades and homes <laughs> in L.A. Lock him um, into a room until he changes mind, yeah. So there's my prediction. My, my prediction is something happens with, happens with Damian Lillard on July 4th and ruins Anthony's holiday. That's fine. As long as it doesn't happen on my flight to Vegas. Yeah, that's true. That would not be great. I'll take July 4th. That's fine. I'm used to that. <laughs> All right. Uh, thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you guys next week.